for me, Shirley. Right, well, before we dive into uh, Acts chapter 9, it would be right that we pray. So let's pray. Lord, we, we hear today of a very, very familiar story, but help us, Lord, please, to hear afresh the wonderful good news of how you can change anyone. Please give us ears to hear your voice and give us eyes to see you and give us hearts to respond. Amen. Amen. Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison. He's the man who's credited with inventing the light bulb. Didn't invent this one. This one is made in China and it's an LED one. Um, but he is credited by inventing the very first working light bulb. Now, are there any children here today? There's a few, not many. But I'm just wondering whether any child here knows when that happened. Do you know the year when Thomas Edison first had that working light bulb? I wonder whether the adults actually know that. I've got some chocolates with me. So there is a reward of a chocolate if you can get the right year. Anybody want to have a guess? I'm afraid that's far too early. So a little bit later than that. Add another hundred and we'll maybe, maybe a couple of hundred. Well, come on. Any more guesses? Oh, 1885, she's six years out. We'll give it to you. I'll give you, what, crunchy? Parents, all right for me to give her a chocolate? Yep, that's fine. Yeah, that's more crunchy. Right, there will be some others later, don't worry. Fantastic. Do you know the year was actually 1879? Do any adults know that? No? No, no, no. That was, that's, I had to find that out on Wikipedia yesterday. But 1879, 1879, that was a very long time ago when he, this uh, Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison, who was clearly a very clever man. He was a man who perhaps within himself, within himself, he had a moment of inspiration. You could say a light bulb moment. He invented the light bulb, the very first working light bulb. And of course, light bulbs have changed the world forever since 1879. It was the following year where he patented the very first uh, light bulb. Well, today, today, we hear of a very famous man who saw the light, but he didn't have a late light bulb moment uh, from within himself. Saul didn't um, inspire himself or motivate himself to change his life or, or to invent something wonderful like a light bulb. Instead, Saul met the risen Lord Jesus. He met the light of the world. He met the creator of light itself, the Lord Jesus. And that meeting changed Saul. It changed Saul into Paul. And it arguably changed the world forever. And that happened about uh, 2,000 years ago, which is a long time ago before the light bulb came along. Got to put this down. Well, last week, uh, Kevin spoke from Acts chapter 2. And Kevin spoke about the great day when the church 
was given the gift of the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost. And the sound of the Holy Spirit was described like a violent wind. We had a fan, didn't we, which was blowing a red ribbon around. And that, uh, uh, the Bible says that that violent wind is described like seeing tongues of fire. And that was certainly a dramatic day, which could perhaps have been turned into some uh, dramatic movie. And then this morning, we've got this story of Saul, which can certainly be described as another blockbuster-type movie, as we hear of probably the most famous and the most dramatic conversions ever recorded in the whole Bible, a truly amazing turnaround. In Acts chapter 9 and the following chapters, Saul, who is later renamed Paul, he becomes one of the most central and influential characters in the early church. And it is an amazing change, an amazing change. Now, let's um, see if we can think a bit more about this and actually get ourselves into um, chapter 9. We need to have a Saul. I just need one person at the moment. You got your hand up first of all, William, didn't you? So do you want to be Saul? Can you stand up then? And I've got a sticky label for you. I'm going to stick Saul on you. There we are. Turn around. Here is Saul. But look, you look a bit too smiley. Look a bit smiley. Saul, Saul is a bad man. Saul, if this was pantomime, he would be the pantomime villain at the moment. I'm sorry about this, but um, you know what you do to pantomime villain? Yeah, his boo, boo, hiss, come on, boo, hiss. Sorry, this is not going to affect you for the rest of your life, but we have to do this at the moment, because you're not a nice man at the moment. Now, he is very clever. Is he very clever? Excellent, excellent. Saul was very clever. Saul was very educated. Saul was very religious. But he was filled with hatred. Can you do an angry boy? Angry look. Full of, full of, full of hatred. He's ha- he, he hates, you know what he hates? He hates Christians. He hates people who are following Jesus, who are speaking about Jesus, who are telling people that Jesus has risen from the dead. He absolutely hates them. Now, we're in chapter 9, but you could have heard about Saul a couple of times before in in earlier chapters. First of all, at the end of chapter 7, there's the story of a person called Stephen, who's a follower of Jesus, and he is stoned to death. Stephen is killed, and the Bible says Saul was there. Not only was he there, the Bible says he gave his approval to the death, to that, that death. So what was he to do? Was he sticking his thumbs up, wasn't he? Thumbs up? Absolutely. Stephen's being killed. That's fabulous. No, oh, no, 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 no. You do change later. You do change later. Thank you. That's fine. He's sticking his thumbs up because he'd be happy about that, that Stephen's being killed. And then a little bit later in, um, in chapter 8, we also hear of, um, of him as well, beginning to destroy the church. Saul is going from, from house to house, dragging off men and women and putting them in prison. So, Saul, clearly a nasty man. 
Now Saul, when he talked, after, after he changed, when he talked bad about his previous time, do you know what he said of himself? He said of himself that he was a persecutor of the church. He said of himself he was a violent man. He said of himself he was the worst of sinners. So at the moment, at the beginning of Acts chapter 9, we've got Saul. Saul, who's adamant that any talk about Jesus is pure heresy. And his mission, your mission is, to seek and destroy. To seek and destroy. Just like one of those missiles that uh, you might see that can head straight down a road, turn left, turn right. You know, basically, when Saul's around, there's no safe place to hide. He will track you down. Now, if you've, got, if you've got Acts 9 in front of you, you might find it useful. So it begins. Here's Saul. What's he doing? He's breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. What's he do then? He goes to the high priest and asks him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So Saul, you need to find a high priest. Is there anybody dressed possibly as a priest around here? Oh, me, yes. And I just happen to have a letter here. Oh, here's a letter. Hello, hello. Oh, sorry. Right, you want to read that? Read what the letter says. To the synagogue in Damascus. Damascus. Please allow Saul for permission to arrest any Christians, any people, any men or women. Following the way and take them back to prison in Jerusalem. Signed. The high priest. That's me. I signed it HP. So yeah, the letter says, please allow permission to arrest any Christians, any people, any men or women following the way and take them back to prison in Jerusalem. Thank you for that. Actually, I'm going to take this off because it gets too hot. Don't need a high priest now. where are we? We've had the letter, haven't we, from the high priest saying that he's got permission to go to Damascus and to arrest any Christians he can find. That's what he wants to do. But what is it that happens now? There's something quite dramatic here happens now as he goes on this journey. He's heading off towards Damascus. And you're going to need some friends. You actually need two friends. Oh, look, there's two of you. Come on, both of you. So we're going to have to go on a journey, aren't we? So let's go to the end of the church then. Um, you, get, yeah, you, two, you three go to the back of the church and Damascus will be over here. And although there's not many children here, 
Is there one other who might want to play the part of Jesus? Very important part. Is there anybody who can volunteer? Or can I pick somebody? James, do you want to do it? Come on, James. Come on, I need, I need somebody. There's not many of you. Come on. And because you're going to play the part of Jesus, we're going to give you a surplus. So you can look the part. You ever worn one of these? This is one of my... What should I say? The one, of, one I have. Right, which way around is it? Which way around here? Let's put this on you. There we are. Thank you. Fantastic. Oh, no. Jesus got Star Wars on the top here as well. Fantastic. Now, where would Jesus probably have to be? Oh, can we do pulpit? Can you stand on the pulpit without tripping over? Don't trip over. Right. So, Saul starts walking towards Damascus. So, could you come walk in here with your friends? I might need you to flip the black switch. And stop. Because suddenly, suddenly, there's a bright light. Bright light? Yes! You're going to fall down your knees. Fall down your knees. You can stand. Because it's really bright light. That's very bright, isn't it? It's quite bright for me. And suddenly, Jesus speaks. I didn't give you the words. I should have given you the words. Do you know what Jesus says? Do you remember what Jesus said? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He's fabulous. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? That's what he asks him. What's going on here? I wonder what Saul is thinking now. Saul must have been flabbergasted. He's already fallen to his knees, hasn't he? He was convinced that Jesus was a blasphemer. He was convinced that Jesus got the death he deserved when Jesus was nailed to a cross and died. But this same Jesus... The risen Jesus is now talking to Saul. Do you know what Saul said in reply? He says the words, Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? And you're not going to remember all the rest of the words, are you? I am Jesus, whom you persecute. Fantastic. I didn't even prompt him beforehand, but he's got all the words, isn't he? Yes, he says, I am Jesus. Now, Let's just pause for a moment. Some people, years later, might have suggested that Saul was just dreaming. That this was perhaps um, him walking Damascus. I think it's a a desert-type place. Perhaps he's uh, got a bit of sunstroke, and that's why he's fallen down. And that's where there's uh, a blazing encounter. But how do we know this is true? One, two. There's two people here, aren't there? Now, they didn't necessarily see Jesus, but the story says they certainly heard what was happening. And it says they were speechless. Now, how do you do speechless? I imagine it's like, do you want to turn around? (laughs) Completely speechless. Right, you can turn back again. That's what you do if you're speechless, isn't it? Saul knew, he knew this was real. And so did 
his two friends who was with him. They knew this wasn't a dream. They knew this was a physical appearance of Jesus Christ. Paul, sorry, Saul, I should say, had seen the risen Christ. And after he was called Paul, for the rest of his days, Paul would testify to this absolute fact, an encounter with Jesus, that he'd met the risen Jesus, and this meeting had changed him forever. Now, the story says that you get up. You can get up now. You're looking a bit bored. But you can get up. But, do you remember what the story says about you? What's happened to you now? You've seen the blind in light, and you are? Exactly. Let's blind you. We always have fun when we blind people, don't we? Right. Sunglasses? That'll keep. Is that right? Is that uncomfortable? No? Let's put one of these things around here. Well, we might have to do something like that. We'll have some fun, shall we? See what we can do. Can you see me? You can see me. How many fingers am I holding up? Ten, yeah, exactly. So if we turn you around and around and around and around and around, which way are you going to go then? Stop. Wouldn't know which way to go, would you? No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. you go the wrong way. It was fun being blind. But what did they? What did the friends do? Help him. They just take him, don't they? Take him. Oh, we need a chair. Sorry. I think Jesus can step down now. Actually, thank you very much indeed. Let's get rid. Thank you for doing that, Jane. I'll give you a sweet. Right. So you can take him. And put him down in the chair. Excellent. And what happens to him? According to the story, he sits there for three whole days and he doesn't eat or doesn't eat or doesn't drink. Now, is that okay with his parents? Where are his parents? I can't see them. Where are they? Is that all right for him to sit there for three days? No food? No drink? You wouldn't mind, would you? But you don't need to do that, actually. Fine, let's take this off. I think we're finished with you now. But thank you very much indeed. You've all been very, very good. And in fact, before you go, we need to give you something else, don't we? Because what happens after Saul, later, one letter changes, doesn't it? Who becomes Paul? And he's a very important person. Right. I need to give chocolates to those people who helped me, didn't I? Because that was the only way. I did say I promised it, so come on, what do you want? A chocolate. Take your knife, come on, don't take your knife. Do you want, what do you want? I know, well, she, did, she answered the question, didn't she? What was that, James? James, what do you want? Crunchy? Done. Right, you can sit down again now. And I want to thank you as well. Thank you very much indeed. You can give them a round of applause if you want to. That's it, you can go, you can go back, you can go back, thank you. So thankfully, Saul was not left there, was he, for, for three days? He was there for three days, but afterwards he wasn't left permanently there, blind, thirsty, and hungry. You need to read on a bit more into Acts chapter 9 to know the rest of the story. The story uh, shows that a follower of Jesus called Ananias, he's told by God to go to Paul go to Saul, sorry, and to restore his sight. And you know what Ananias says when God says that to him? He says, you what? 
You what? What God, don't you know who this man Saul is? This man Saul, you know, he says in verses 13, Lord, I've heard many stories, many reports about this man, about all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. Ananias is almost saying to God, you're having a laugh, aren't you, that I've got to go to this guy? And in fact, it's funny, isn't it, that Ananias has to remind God of what Saul is like, because God knows fully what Saul is like, doesn't he? God knows what he's doing. And God had remarkable plans for that sinner. The mission eventually for Paul was to serve God and God's people. Beforehand, his mission was against God, against the church. And he changes. A radical change happens to this man. And he starts serving God and serving the church. Well, this encounter, I would say, is more than just a blockbuster of a, of a story of a conversion. It's a commissioning story, isn't it? As God calls Paul to his new mission to spread the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. This is God saying of Paul that Paul is my man. So, church, accept Paul's teaching. Don't think that because Paul wasn't one of those first disciples with Jesus, that he's any less credible in what he, what he teaches. Paul is just the same as the other apostles. He's, the, he's got the same God-given authority. So the letters he writes are Holy Spirit-inspired scripture, just as other writings in the Bible are. Paul has been called by God to take forward the gospel of God to the world. This is an amazing story, isn't it? It's an amazing story of God's grace that he saved an absolute wretch, didn't he? He saved the last person you could possibly imagine could ever become a Christian. Because anyone, anyone can be changed by Jesus. Now, this is an amazing testimony. And perhaps um, we'd like to have some amazing, dramatical um, testimony. Whereas some of us maybe don't have that. I was 11 years old when I became a Christian. I was just sitting uh, by myself in my room, but I was reading. And I got myself to that moment of saying sorry to God and saying that I would follow Jesus from that day onward. Nothing really dramatic there. But for anyone, anyone to become a Christian, well, that does take a miracle. It takes God to choose us. It takes God to call us out, to intervene in our lives. For Saul, the intervention of meeting God was very, very dramatic. But he calls all of us to turn back to God in repentance and faith and then to serve him however he wants because he has a plan for us. Well, Saul went into Damascus to hunt out those people following the way. 
and pretty soon afterwards, he himself is somebody who is following the way. His life was changed forever. Changed forever. And the early church, and now the church today, we've certainly reaped the benefits of Paul's life. For today, perhaps we need to pray for those who do persecute the church that maybe their lives can be completely changed like Paul was, who one day was persecuting the church and the next day he's following Jesus. Maybe we should be praying for those who persecute the church in various countries of this world, that they would be turned around as the, in the same way that Saul of Tarsus became the Apostle Paul. This morning, let us, let us never give up on anyone because God's grace can stretch to the deepest depths of the worst offender. Let's never give up on ourselves thinking that God could never forgive my sin. He can forgive anything. This morning is an amazing encounter. It began with Saul, his mission to wipe out Christians in the Christian church. And it ended with Paul and his mission now to extend the church, to grow the Christian church. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for appearing to Saul. Thank you for calling him, calling him away from his intended mission, but calling him to a new mission of spreading the gospel message to the world. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you that you can save anyone. You can save a wretch like me. Help us, Lord, to tell this good news. Help us to declare your praises. Help us to seek to continue this call to extend and grow the church. Amen.